Hey, 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 friends. Welcome back after the new year. I am Haley and I am joined by my two favorite co-hosts, Charlie with no E and Miguel. <laughs> with an E in there somewhere. Mine does have an E. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's up? What's up, friends? It has been a minute since we have done our last podcast. What has it been officially over a little over a month? It feels about that long. Oh, wow. Did we leave it that long? Oops. Sorry, team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am so happy to be back. Actually, friends, last week we planned full transparency. We planned on coming back last week originally, but we realized <laughs> that we needed a little bit more time to plan and it was worth it because we really dialed in what this show is going to become in 2022. So I'm going to kick us off with the first section of our new format for 2022, which is, have you heard? And this is a section of the podcast where we are going to just kind of briefly talk about some of the headlines in the creator economy. Most of the time, each of us will have something that we're going to bring. We'll talk about it pretty briefly. And it's really designed just to make sure that we are all staying up to date with the news and fun things, interesting things, scary things, all the things that are happening inside the creator economy, which is why we really all show up to this podcast. So I'm going to kick it off with Charlie and then we'll go Miguel, me. And then I think Charlie's actually got another one for this first episode of 2022. Well, yeah, I noticed this article recently about how a TikToker is now the face of a Gucci slash North Face collaboration. Have you seen the TikTok, which is this guy watching trains and he's wearing a GoPro on his head and it makes his head like a funny shape and he's just very adorably excited about the trains that he's seeing go by. <laughs> it went viral. I saw it all over my Twitter feed and I don't know, it was just very cute. And his name is Francis Bourgeois, I think is how you say his name. And Gucci are working with him. He's like a model in their campaign, wearing wearing the new outfits and things. And it's set in this like train environment. I just think that's kind of cool how internet culture is feeding into luxury brands in that way, you know. I love that. I definitely think that connects back to today's episode as well. So mm -hmm, very cool. Mm -hmm. Miguel. What you got, Miguel? Yeah, that's so cool. Mine, mine is... Uh... Kind of just like a quick update on something that Instagram is going to let you do, which I thought was really cool. For the first time ever, they're testing this idea of allowing you to kind of reorganize your profile grid in any way you like. So I know right now the only way to see it is chronological. And a lot of the times I see people will post things specifically in a certain order so that that grid matches up to make one big picture. But then what sucks about that is that the moment that you had another post, it's all discombobulated and it doesn't do that anymore. <laughs> so this will be kind of needed if that's what you wanna do, you can always make it so that you have that nice three by three grid and continue to post things. So you have a little bit more customization on your Instagram and then kind of have, uh, you can kind of tailor make when someone sees your profile, kind of what they see when they first see it, which is pretty cool. Love that. I haven't played with that yet. Mine is both a celebration and kind of a version of Have You Heard, but one of our favorite customers, but also a really well-known creator, New York Times bestselling author, James Clear. Uh, his book, Atomic Habits, actually for 2021 was Amazon's number one selling book across like every genre across the entire platform of Amazon. I actually first realized this, which I thought was really cool, was when Reese Witherspoon, who's like the queen of books, mm. right? At least right now, Reese Witherspoon had 
posted about it on Instagram. And of course, it was something that I wanted to celebrate. But I think the really important thing to highlight here specifically for this celebration or this have you heard is that James Clear started off as just a blogger, right? He was just writing. He had a website where he wrote and he really built his habit about writing by writing every single day. And that turned into Atomic Habits. And I want to say it was what, four years ago, three years ago, four years ago at our original Craft and Commerce, where James Clear spoke on this topic on Atomic Habits. This was uh, in preparation for this book to launch. I don't think it had launched just yet. And it is still one of our most popular and most viewed YouTube Mm -hmm. videos. So y'all can go check that out in our feed below for some of our past uh, craft and commerce speaks uh, sessions. And that was great. So that's a really cool one. I was really excited to share that one because that's a massive celebration. So yeah, congrats to James. Yeah, I was like walking around Target and I saw the book on the (laughs) shelf and I like go to my partner and I'm like, oh, that guy, that's the that's the guy that I told you about. And she's like, oh, I have his audio book. I'm like, oh, what? You're like, I know him. I know him. I've met him before. (laughs) My wife found out about him before I even told her about him. That's how like successful his book is. Mm. She's like, oh, yeah, I have that audio book. I'm like halfway through it. I'm like, oh, well, never mind then. (laughs) Never mind. I fixed his sequences of when he had a problem like three months ago. So that makes me cool. <laughs> Uh-oh, James Clear had a problem with sequences? <laughs> no. Anyways, fun. Well, Charlie, I thought you actually had another one, but I think it was the same as Miguel's. Am I right on that or am I wrong? No, it's slightly different. Similar. Oh, okay, similar. Instagram, yeah, they're making a bunch of changes at the moment to like, I think they're trying to listen to feedback. Shocking for a Facebook company. <laughs> wow. But they're going to let you arrange your feed in three different ways. So you can keep it with the like algorithmic one as it is now. Mm. You can also choose chronological and I've forgotten what the third one is, but basically they're giving you choice. So you know how right now, like you don't necessarily see the latest post from your friend in your feed because it's showing you like a boosted algorithmically generated thing. So yeah, they're trying out letting you pick that option. So Mm. I actually think creators should not be concerned about this. If anything, it makes it better for us because we can like just reach the people that we freaking want to reach with less algorithms in the way. This is, I'm always going to advocate for that. So we'll see how it pans out because I'm going to bet that maybe Instagram might see some decrease in metrics they look at, like, you know, keeping us addicted. (laughs) Mm. So yeah, we'll see if they keep it. Yeah. I'm interested to see what they will do with what we do when we start customizing things. Because obviously they're kind of Mm -hmm. ceding some of that control, but I'll just all all wonder what they're going to do with that. That'll be interesting to see. And how they're going to try and control us in other ways. (laughs) Right. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) In the metaverse. (laughs) Yes. All right, let's move on to our second block. This is going to be the beefy. And just to give you all a quick description of what we're going to do here, this is going to be where we talk about, it's like the meat of our podcast. It's really going to be made up of like kind of three different variations, right? We're either going to have a creator as a guest. That is something we've all seen before, which would be a non-convert kit creator where we're talking about any sort of topic related to the creator economy. Another option or another way that we're going to move forward with this main topic is we're actually going to invite another ConvertKit guest on here as well. This is really important to us. And Charlie and I debate this or our brand team, I guess, debates this is whether or not we should say ConvertKit is by creators for creators or for creators by creators. (laughs) But either way, you get the gist. The gist is, is that we are made up of a team filled with lots of different creators. And I think it's really important that we like, we, we really want to showcase the really incredible creators 
creators that we have on our team because they know the creator economy inside and out, like they're in it. They're both in it and they serve it. So I think that's really important. And then we have loved talking about different articles that we see. And so we want to do that a little bit more, have discussions centered around really interesting topics. And that is what we have planned for today. And I found this article that I thought was really interesting. It was a Forbes article. It was titled To Succeed in the Creator Economy, Startups Should Address Creators' Needs. Charlie, if you would drop that in the chat. There we go. Done. I knew you, I knew you had me. <laughs> I actually created a banner for it, but I couldn't, I didn't know if it was clickable. So I was just like, well, we'll just drop it in the chat. <laughs> but this article was really interesting to me because what it did is it gives weight to the creator economy. And it is like, I feel like the creator economy right now is all of the talk and all of the conversation from venture capital firms to media companies trying to figure out what the heck is this thing? This is a living, breathing thing. And the, one of the first things that this article says, the opening line, it says that the creator economy is emerging as a potential disruptor to the $2 trillion media industry. And I think I've known that, but I didn't really, really sit back and think about that as the potential for truth. So now we have all of these investors that are coming in and saying, whoa, what is this thing that's about to disrupt this industry that's been around for decades, right? And fuels so much of our economy. And now we have creators filling this creator economy and they're about to, you know, shake it up. Now we all know as creators <laughs> that this is not a new thing, right? So it's really interesting to see startup companies come in and enter this and try to really talk about it like it hasn't been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. But have y'all really thought about that? The fact that the creator economy is disrupting a $2 trillion business or not even business. I don't even know what you call it. I never thought about it in the context of that before. Like how crazy is that? We should um, tell people for the listeners who haven't clicked on the link in the YouTube description, the title of the article is To Succeed in the Creator Economy, Startups Should Address Creators' Needs. It's by S.A. Vidra, I think is how you pronounce his name. Yeah, which might be the most duh title of all time, by the way. I was going to say, when Haley suggested <laughs> this topic, in full honesty, I was like, well done. If you're going to <laughs> succeed in an economy, you've got to address the needs of the people in the economy. But then as um, Haley explained it, it's like, no, what we're saying is that the creator economy is just the economy now. Mm -hmm. And we are all living within the creator economy, whether we are a creator or not. This is happening. This is the way the world is going. And so if businesses want to succeed in this new way of doing business in this new economy, then creators need to be considered as a key audience. Yeah. So that is what helped it click for me. I was like, oh, right. The creator economy is just the economy now. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> they should rebrand it to the creator market. You know how you can say like, mm. oh, well, the oil industry is a $2 trillion market or, you know, the, the advertising industry is, you know, the X amount market. Like it's a subsection of the greater economy, but it definitely is part of the economy, obviously. Yeah. Something that really resonated with me, there's something that I continue to think about, right, is that we do this book. It's called I'm a Blogger. We have, it's a coffee table book. We've done two publications of it. It's been a baby of Charlie. She designed the first and the second one, mm -hmm. Isa, our teammate. It's compiled of all of these different stories. And the reason why this coffee table book came into existence is because really Nathan, our CEO, and Barrett, our former COO, 
were tired of explaining what it was that they did for a living to people. Yeah. They didn't know what they, you know, they're like their uncle, a doctor, or, you know, you think of all of these more normalized, right. Types of careers. Like it makes sense. You're like, Oh, you're a doctor. Okay. I get it. All right. Okay. You're a, you know, a fireman or police officer whatever it is. Everybody understands what it is that you do. But when you say I'm a content creator or I'm a blogger or I'm whatever it is, like enter something in the creator economy, people are like, how do you make money? What do you, what do you do? How is that a job? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How's that a job? And that was really out there. It was designed to answer that question. And so I just find it really interesting that what is happening now is that the creators that are making up the creator economy now, like it's actually a recognized profession, right? Mm-hmm. It's totally normalized now. And this is to your point, Charlie, is that no, this is just the economy. This is how people make money. And that's when they're saying like, this is why it has the power to actually disrupt media. And so when we talk about that, like I, I was thinking about all of like the different creators that are filled or that, that make up our customer bases, right? They're writers, they're podcasters, they're YouTubers, they're bloggers, they're, you know, insert different creator type, they're musicians. Those are totally normalized. Like you say, I'm a podcaster and people totally understand what that is and what yep. that means. Yep. And now we don't don't have to rely on big media companies to get messages out. We can rely on everyday people that have real tangible relationships with their fans that allow them to become that topic that we've talked about a lot, which is an influencer, which is really where it starts disrupting, I think, the media companies. I mean, I know that we've been living in this for a long time and this is nothing new, but when it's being recognized by Forbes or recognized by the rest of the world. I just, I feel proud kind of. It's validating. It's validating. Yeah. You know what I find interesting about that is I have this hobby where I like to listen to comedians talk about like the craft of comedy. And I really interested in kind of like their process, how they come up with material. And it's very similar because they themselves are creators. Right. And I think like the common thread there is They always say that like, oh yeah, growing up, when you tell someone you're a comedian, they're like, well, how do you make money doing that? Like, or your parents would say like, why don't you get a real job? You know, things like Mm. that. And I feel like people who are creators constantly have to fight with that same sort of thing where it's just like, well, that's not like a real job. That's just like a hobby or that's a side hustle or that's something that you do on the side. And I feel like the common thread there is whenever the business itself is surrounded around someone's creativity or someone doing something themselves, I feel like they, it, people's minds tend to go to this place of like illegitimacy. Mm. And it's important to remember that it's very legitimate because there are entire markets out there that are built around the about, around creativity, like actors, comedians, bloggers, writers. These are all people that like the money is made by the things that they create. And that's just as legitimate as somebody who's just like an engineer or something like that. It's just it's a less obvious route to take with fewer rails. So it's a little less safe, but Mm -hmm. I feel like just because it's a less safe choice or a less classic choice, I don't think it makes it any less legitimate. It's just harder to navigate because if I get a job as an engineer, I show up to work, they tell me what to do. I do it. It's very different as a creator. You show up to work, no one's going to tell you what to do. Mm -hmm. You tell you what to do. You got to figure it out. And that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. When do you think it changed for people, right? When you think it, uh, people started recognizing the creator economy as, like you said, Charlie, as the economy 
for me, I'll, I'll answer this question for me. I think it was when people started learning how to monetize their business. And at least that's the way that I kind of think about it. In this article, there's actually a link from Stripe, which by the way, when I picked this article, <laughs> I did not know that this was the link. But one of the team members at Stripe actually reached out and asked me to participate in this project that they were doing internally. And Stripe, if you don't know, is you know a payment processing company and Stripe is the back end for a lot of creators businesses, online businesses. And they link to this and they say that Stripe creators or Stripe estimates that creators will soon pass $10 billion in aggregate earnings. And if you click on that link, it's actually a, a video that Stripe produced. I'm in it. And creator sessions is actually the front and center image of that. So like I said, I did not know that when I picked it. And then I was like a nice little surprise. <laughs> but all that to say, my point going back is, is that I think that when it became more relevant or when it became like, you know, a big topic of conversation is when creators started learning how to monetize. I'm going to disagree. Oh, okay. I want to come in here and disagree because oh shit, <laughs> creators have been monetizing for like well over a decade, I would say. And we haven't I really only been talking about it as a whole internet, I would say, in the past few years. And I think, honestly, that VC funding and like investment companies paying attention and like seeing, wait, there's people who are legit millionaires and they are not doing it the route that we've been doing it. We should pay attention to this and look over here. And I, I do think that the VC funding and investment side of things has driven a lot of conversation about the creator economy. I don't yet know if it's a good thing, honestly, how involved these VC firms are with it. There was one line in this article that uh, talked about the growing number of unicorns in the creator economy. Mm. For anyone who doesn't know, a unicorn is, it's like a venture capital term used to describe a privately held company that has a value of over a billion dollars. So meaning it's not on the stock market, but it's worth over a billion dollars, like just on its own, off its own back. So there's, yeah, that's growing. And it says, this shows the huge potential the space represents for startup founders, venture capital investors, and the creators themselves. And I take issue with the fact that the creators themselves are listed last in that. Hmm. To me, like, that's what I'm afraid of with the creator economy becoming the economy and becoming more accepted. There's a lot of positives to do with it, but I'm kind of also afraid that it's going to get ruined because of that. Mm. I'm not saying that like, oh, now it's mainstream. It's not cool anymore. It's very much still cool <laughs> to be an independent creator and do your own thing. <laughs> I just think that too often VC funding ruins things and we turn it into like just the monetization side, like you called out, Haley, because I think that is that was the start of it probably in, in being mm -hmm. more well-recognized. But there's more to being a creator than just the money, right? Like you don't start being a creator because you want the money, Yeah. because you won't succeed. There has to be some heart and something behind it, like your craft, your content. So yeah, I'm just a little afraid. I wrote down a, a comment about that. I think that one of the reasons why people choose to be creators is because they want the lifestyle that being a creator can offer. And I don't, when I say that, I don't mean the perceived lifestyle of getting gifted a bunch of things. What I mean is, right. is if any of you have seen, there's like an Instagram reel that I feel like keeps coming around and it's talking about the new rich, right? And it's basically someone saying, we don't care about the fancy brands. What we care about is time. That's the new rich. Mm. And I think that being a creator oftentimes can, if you're really intentional and you treat being a creator like a business, it can afford you more time, right? It can afford you the ability to travel and to work remotely from wherever you are, which is one of the things that ConvertKit really um, prioritizes 
because we're made up of a bunch of creators and we all want to be able to work independently wherever we are in the world. And I think that that's one of the things that the creator economy is having a really positive impact on is allowing people to monetize things and to create a life that doesn't rely on them going into an office nine to five. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's incredibly appealing. And then if you continue to further read on in this article, what it says is, is the opportunity really for software companies. And now I, I'm going to say this, and I'm obviously a little bit biased, but I think that ConvertKit has done this, or this has been top of mind for us. And we normally don't on the podcast, obviously talk about these things, but what she says in the article he or she, I actually don't actually know. We can just say they. <laughs> what uh, they say in the article is that there's really three things that startup companies should focus on to solve challenges within the creator economy that is riddled with challenges. <laughs> One mm-hmm. of them is striving to mitigate creator burnout, which we have talked about this show on this show extensively, tailoring your solution to creators. And lastly, Charlie, I thought you'd have a lot of input on this, but is viewing creators as design partners. Mm -hmm. And what I'm curious is, I think she hit the nail on the head for these. I think that, you know, obviously mitigating creator burnout, ConvertKit does a really fantastic job of that just by the way that we've built our business and streamlined it. Tailoring your solutions to creators. I think, again, ConvertKit does a good job of that. This is not a ConvertKit, you know, ad. But obvious, if you compare us to MailChimp, MailChimp's built for small businesses, ConvertKit's built for creators. Yeah, yeah. But I really wanted to dig into this point, viewing creators as design partners and the opportunities that creators have to position themselves this way. Because that is actually really what I think doesn't happen often enough, is that creators don't position themselves as partners. They position themselves Mm -hmm. as like employees, right? Of this like company, maybe. Great point. Where they bring so much value that they really need to position and and like identify as a partner. Yes. And that's how our affiliates, I think, a lot of the times operate and at least our most successful affiliates. Yep. As a creator, I can't even count the number of times I've had companies reach out to me, especially like over the past two years as the creator economy has boomed saying like, never heard of this company, never heard of this person before. And they're like, Hey, we're working on this thing. Can we get your feedback? And I'm like, not for free. And I would really encourage creators to take this attitude. Like there is a few companies who I like know and love who I would be happy to get on a call with and like give them product feedback any day of the week for totally for free, because we have like a good existing relationship They've supported me in the past. Um, You know, maybe I'm an affiliate for them, like you just called out with our ConvertKit affiliates. And so in that case, I have a stake in the game, right? Like if I'm an affiliate for a product, the product improving and getting better for me actually helps me do my job better. But creators should be charging for companies who want to partner with creators on making their product like more tailored to them. You have so much knowledge and it might not seem like it because you're like, well, it's just me. Like I just... It just comes naturally to me. This is just what I do. All I'm doing is telling someone else about it. But you doing that is going to make that company a shit ton of money because like we said, creator economy is booming. So you should charge a consulting fee if a company wants you to get on a call and give them feedback in this way. Like you should charge for your time um, if there's no existing relationship there because you deserve it and you should be treated as a partner. Like Haley said, not, not like an employee or just like a user. And collectively, it creates a precedent for these companies to understand that whenever you reach out to a creator like that, that they should expect that they're going to pay that person. Mm -hmm. Because 
if they start getting used to the fact that it's not free, then they expect it to not be free. Yep. And that kind of sets the tone for the for creators as a whole. It's like, we are not a free resource. Mm. We're not a Google search. So sorry. And like the hour I spend on a call with you giving you feedback could be spent on my own business. So yeah. Yeah. I love that. What's missing from this list? I'm curious from those uh, that are listening, if you're saying, hey, startups out there or ConvertKit out there or whomever out there, (laughs) what problems do you want companies to solve for you as an independent creator? If there was a magic, magic solution out there for you, I'm curious what it would be. Throw those in the chat if you have any thoughts on them. I quite like this comment that Alejandro has left saying that, um, Big new tech is seeing creators as dollar signs. Very few are seeing creators as people. Mm. Alejandro says, I choose tech for my creator business based on their ability to build a community for their creators. I think this is a good point. It's related to the, um, what was the second point, Haley, about meeting creator needs? Because like the article talks about creators have similar needs to a small business, but it's also very different to be an independent creator instead of a business. And I think that's something that's missing from a lot of tech companies. I find that they are talking to me as a creator. No, they're talking to me as a business. They will say like, hey, team. And I'm like, yo, it's just me. (laughs) Like, obviously, there's a lot of creators who have a team around them and have built it into (laughs) an actual company. (laughs) You know, what's so funny. I have to interrupt here. But what's so funny about that is that the reason why the creator economy, at least in my opinion, or at least one of the many reasons why the creator economy has fueled so much growth, I think, is because people are so connected to the creators because they see them as people. Mm -hmm. So their fans identify them as people and they trust their opinion. So if we're talking about, let's say, like a traditional influencer on Instagram, right, who promotes products, gets paid to promote those products, right? The reason why that works is because they promote things that they love and they're, they show up as themselves. And then people are attracted to that. And they're like, oh, well, I trust this person's judgment over an ad that I'm seeing Mm -hmm. on the television. From the business directly. Exactly. From the business directly. Like it's a review. And so you would think that startup companies would approach creators with that same like mindset is that these are people, right? They're not businesses. And the reason why this works is because people look at them as people. They're real and they're honest. So I just find that kind of funny <laughs> that they're like approaching it totally differently than the than for the reason that it actually works. Ooh, something in what you just said, Haley, made me think that maybe something missing from this list of strive to mitigate burnout, tailor solutions to creators, view creators as design partners, is perhaps tailor solutions to a creator's audience as well mm. and help facilitate a stronger connection between the two because creators are like we're fueled by our audience, right? Yeah. We make something, we hope to find people who are interested in it. And then we hope to nurture that relationship and like fuel it and and keep it going and keep people interested and engaged. And that's a really hard part about being a creator. And so if you can make the experience better for the fans, for the audience and make them feel more connected to the creator, then I think that could be another way to win in the creator economy. Yeah, I love that. Let's wrap up the section. Do we have any other closing kind of like closing thoughts? Uh, Miguel, what do you think? Something that was might have been missing, and this isn't a fully formed thought, but whenever companies reach out to creators because the company needs something from that creator, it can be kind of a weird situation like we were talking about before where they're reaching out to that creator. It's kind of a weird situation where like the, you might 
be so glad that they're reaching out to you that you don't want to miss the opportunity of working with that company that you might prioritize that partnership over getting paid because this happens when you're trying to get it like asking for higher pay in a job offer or something like that. We're like, well, mm. might I risk the entire job offer if I say, well, actually I want $5 more an hour or whatever it is. So you're likely to accept less just because you're afraid of scuttling the whole thing. So I have found that certain things are popping up around the internet. One of them specifically is like hard to forget the name. And I, I talked about it in our company Slack today and I thought it was great. And it's this thing called fuck you, pay me. (laughs) And it's essentially a thing for uh, influencers and creators to get paid. And then it's kind of like, think of it as like a glass door for companies where there's like ratings and things like that for those companies. It's like, oh, if you work with this company, they don't pay you till like four months later and you have to keep pounding them. So don't work with them. And it's kind of like a way of like making sure that people don't get screwed over because when it's a big company and a single creator, Mm -hmm. you feel really disadvantaged. But when you go into that with like, oh, like when you go to a job offer and you see on Glassdoor that everybody in your position is getting paid $50 an hour and they offered you 42, you can show up and be like, listen, motherfucker, pay me 50. Don't try to shortchange me. Miguel just dropped two F-bombs. I love it. I know. I'm obsessed <laughs> with this. Now I'm like, oh shit, we can like go on this topic for a little bit longer now. But no, I'm obsessed with this idea because my old business partner, Mandy, for Happy Happy House Plant, her previous business, Vintage Revival, she made most of her money doing partnerships. And that was how, whether that was with, you know, let's say Home Depot or Sherwin-Williams, right? She was a DIY blogger. And One thing that she did really, really, really well is mentor other creators and other bloggers to get more money from their partnerships. So they would come to her as she was an established creator and they would come to her. And um, this, by the way, is not something that commonly happens. A lot of creators don't actually do this. They don't offer that because... Think of it like a pot, right? And it's like the marketing department has a pot and they're like, well, we can only, it's not like we pay every single creator this amount of money. We actually just distribute the pot, you know, based off of all of these different things. And so that's the mindset that people actually have. And the reason for that is, is that this is so new that people don't actually know. They're like, well, what is this worth? Or, you know, there's not like 20 years worth of data on this. But what she would do is she would mentor other creators and she would look at their, you know, their email history and she would be like, no, you're going to go in and you're going to ask for X. And this is going to be like you're going to go you're going to have an actual negotiation back and forth. And what you're going to do is you're going to have all of the data to support why you're asking for this amount of money. And I thought that that was really a really important. She didn't just go in there with anecdotal evidence. She went in there with data. And that's one of the things that you as a creator can do when you're talking about like how engaged your audience is or, or things like that. But I love that because it puts the power back in the creator's hands. And then it also allows you to make really important decisions. I just really liked that. That was a really good, great added point, Miguel. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Awesome. Well. I hope that everybody has the time to read that article. I think Charlie linked it again. Click on the the additional links in that article as well. There's one that uh, will link you back to an older article from the New York Times about creator burnout. Um, specifically, it's talking a lot about TikTok stars and some like Gen Z TikTok stars and like what they were experiencing as burnout. And then there's another article, the article from Stripe. So there's a lot of additional articles that are added value. So definitely take a look at that. 
for this next and final section of the podcast for us is we are going to be doing like a creator call out. And so since this is our first one of uh, 2022, we don't actually have someone to call out or discuss, but we want to share the, have the opportunity to share the work of our fans and viewers. I hate saying that word fans, but um, the awesome, awesome people that show up to this podcast, we want to talk about and celebrate uh, the work that you're doing. So that will be like the third and final section before we end the podcast. And Charlie's adding a link here. So I'm going to actually- And I just shared a link to the form. Charlie, you you talk about that link here for a second. Great. Yeah. Like Haley said, we want to be able to shout you out and shout out the great things you're doing. So there's a form linked in, we'll put it in the show notes. It's in the live chat for people watching on YouTube. You just fill it out and tell us what you create and about like a win you've had recently. Maybe it was something you launched that you're really proud of, a milestone you hit. You got like this great comment that just made you like it filled you up. Tell us about it briefly and share a link to where people can find you. And we want to call these things out on the show because um, I think that we will get to get more eyes on your work and share more of the great wins and things that people in our community are doing. Just highlight here really quickly on this topic is please don't think that a win has to be at a certain level or that something has to be a certain point for you to celebrate it. One thing that I I really want to make sure that we do is celebrate really small wins because it's those small incremental wins that get us to those really big wins yes. that are like life-changing kind of wins. But please share all of them, no matter how small uh, they actually are, because every creator at every stage, you're going to have different sorts of uh, wins and celebrations and they're all equally important. So please make sure to do that. Yes. Well said, Haley. And shall I share about our topic for next week? Because yes. we are so planned in advance that we now know what we're going to be talking about next week. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Which didn't always used to happen. It's a bright new <laughs> <Yeah>. future. <laughs> I know. I know. Let us know also what you guys think about this new format. It's something that, like I said, we were really excited about wanting to put a little bit more of intention behind our topics and conversations and making sure that we're serving you because your time is incredibly valuable. I listened to this fantastic podcast called Terrible Things for Asking very recently. And it's, if you haven't listened to it, I, I totally spaced uh, the host's name, but again, Terrible Things for Asking. And one of her topics was about the value of time. So we really value your time and we want to make sure that this is worthwhile, not just entertaining, but valuable and worth your time. Yes. Charlie, what are we doing next week? Join us to hear me rave about this little internet game that I've been playing like for the past couple weeks that has been taking the internet by storm, Wordle. Some of you will hear this and instantly start thinking of like green and yellow squares. And some of you will hear it and think, (laughs) what the fuck is Wordle? I've never heard of this. That's okay. But it's something that is like really taking over my Twitter timeline in particular. Everyone is playing it. It's like this little... um, web game. And we're going to go into like how it went viral and look into the the success of this in next week's episode. So please join us and bring your Wordle nerddom. Ooh, the power <laughs> of the internet, friends. Yes. All right. Thank you so much for joining us on the very first episode of 2022. We will be back next week. Again, I'm Haley and joined by Charlie and Miguel. Thanks for joining The Future Belongs to Creators and we'll see you later. Have a good one. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe so that new episodes appear in your podcast feed every week. And while you're at it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. If you want to join us live for the next recording, you'll find us on ConvertKit's YouTube channel 
at youtube.com forward slash ConvertKit every Wednesday at 1230 Eastern. This show, like everything we do at ConvertKit, is made for creators by creators. We're on a mission to help creators like you earn a living online, and we make software that helps you build and connect with an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. So to start building your audience, go to convertkit.com slash free and create a free account. We're looking forward to helping you on your creator journey.